What we do is just create sympathy. We create, we create admirers. Don't create followers. Christ's life is a demand. We don't want to be reminded of it. So we don't have to see what happens to the truth. A darker time is coming. And men will be more clever. They won't fight the truth. So just ignore it. I paint their comfortable Christ with a halo over his head. How can I show what I haven't lived? Someday I might have the courage to venture, not yet. Someday I'll paint the true Christ. Welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week, and especially this year, we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here a minute ago, but said he needed to go brush up on his Edelweiss. I do love that song. I'm sure he'll be back. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into What Saves Us, our second half of the year series featuring films and media that nurture your wonder, that invigorate your awe, that enrich your humanity, that break your heart, not to overstate things, but that are saving you now. Last week, we were dumber than that with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this week. We are heading to the Austrian countryside with Terence Malick's Poetic and Beautiful, A Hidden Life. Additionally, today, we are joined for this conversation by the man himself, equal parts so right and ain't right, friends and foggers, it is Andrew Nelson. Andrew, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Yeah, like in the real. It's not just your... 
your lovely vocals. Um, so Andrew, real quick, if you will work on your 16 going on 17, uh, I need to explain to the listeners that here, the fear of God, we explore, we don't explain except for right now. When I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at the fear of God podcast.com essays, team bios, episode archives, merch, read. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey. Oh, great. Andrew's here. Andrew, it's Hello. good to see you, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Good, good, good. I, uh, you, you touched my heart with the whole little Edelweiss thing. I'm not going to try to I sing it right now, but man. Do it. We should no, do it. No, I love I just, that song I, so much. No, I'm not going to so be able much. to do it justice. I'm just really not. That's a lovely, okay. lovely song. Let's let him, let's let him try, Andrew. Go oh, ahead. my God. I've just, I, I shouldn't have even said anything. I've, Wow. Every moment you meet me. My my affection for the song is waning. (laughs) No, sincerely. uh, So we're covering the sound of music today, right? No, it's not. It's you know, it's really funny. But but, you know, like uh, that keeps coming up. No, the film is not the sound of music this week. But it is not. um, uh, But Andrew, we are so. Listen, this is a treat. I was going to say I just watched Sound of Music, so this is bad. Well, no, no. Here's what (laughs) (laughs) I watched the wrong movie. Like, uh, I'll be right back. (laughs) How long is the real one again? Oh. Wait, right, right. <laughs> Give me a minute. Um, yep. So, um, listeners don't realize, may not realize, they may not be picking up that they have heard you on the pod for months now, like for a this very, very long time. For for <laughs> what, uh, almost a year now? I mean, uh, when was when 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 did mm-hmm. Ain't Right debut? When did that Ain't Right the Probably jingle last debut? Less spring. Than a year, less yeah, than a year, spring, more than spring, a maybe summer. Yeah, somewhere, oh somewhere God. around there. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But oh man, it's uh, yeah. So they've heard you, listeners. If you haven't picked up on it, every single time the dulcet tones of the jingle for that ain't right or that's so right come into play, you are hearing the beautiful talent of Mr. Andrew Nelson. So Andrew, we're happy to have you in conversation right now. I'm glad yeah. to be here. Yeah, it is because that's so right. That is so right. That is <laughs> okay. absolutely so right. It's great. It's a good day. <laughs> Nathan, do we have any Three? business? To, to, do we? to cover I don't, um, think so. I don't know no just just buckle up because it's almost the end of the year and goodness gracious i can't believe um, it um other, other than keep up with ted lasso if you're keeping up with ted lasso we will bring that home to the old pitch next week next week that yep that's exactly right um so yeah uh, uh other than that like uh do you want to speaking of ted lasso do you want to just dive into ted lasso shall we good with that let's do it let's do it this week on ted lasso our good friend coach beard has quite the ribald night out on the streets of london uh things involving pants and the tearing of them additionally we will go to that's episode eight we will also go to episode nine no weddings and a funeral which is uh going to Rick roll us all together and this TV guidepost. It's it's actually episodes nine and ten, but that's okay because you got the titles. What right. did I say? You said eight oh, and nine. You know what's funny? The reason I did that, because so I title them as I go. 
like episode nine, mm -hmm. episode nine. I just repeat, I've got episode nine beard after hours. And then I said, episode nine, no weddings and a funeral. (laughs) It's just one long episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Now real uh, quick, real quick. Nope. uh, uh, So you've been following along for a while. You know, we covered Ted Lasso season one. We're Ted Lasso season two. You knew you were coming on and Ted Lasso episodes nine and nine were going to be covered. Had you, what was your Ted Lasso relationship before this? Let me sing you the theme. I love it. I, mean, <laughs> um, I, I was just going to try, but we'll, we'll do it. I, so I loved, I love it. Uh, I, so me and my wife have a morning ritual of getting up and having coffee and watching a show before one of us or both of us head to work. And, uh, it was my morning cry time because it's just, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't watch it without being like, this is beautiful. This is moving. These are, People being good to each other, mm. people being bad to each other, but then reconciling that. Like, there's just sure. this amazing air of like humanity in it that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, did you watch it from the beginning or did you get into it once we started covering it? What was that like? I, you know, like, much like uh, Nathan, you were a, a, a uh, avid apostle of saying, go, go watch it, go watch it. Go sure. Watch yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, I too ha- heard many people. <laughs> You know, including you, other people, I just, everybody's talking about it. And sure. It's this like, it's this moment that's really cool. And so yeah. I have been following it kind of since then. And, uh, this, this was before, before you guys started covering it a little bit. Um, sure. But it was delightful to start hearing you guys talk about it and hearing the conversations. And I love it. It's so good. Good. That's awesome. Well, yeah, let's, um, we we're jumping in on a very unique episode with beard yes. after hours. I was, um, I was also pleased to hear that we're doing this one. Cause this one, I I've heard this is a very polarizing episode. Oh, is it? Have you, have you, yeah, oh, you know God. that come on. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's, you know, you know that. Um, yeah, well, what's funny is I, we, my wife and I tended to watch season two as it aired, you know, uh, we'd wait a week and watch that episode, wait a week, watch that episode. And I knew that, episode nine this beard one Mm -hmm. i knew it was different and so it was the one episode of season two we she 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 didn't do this with intention i kind of did it with intention as i knew let's bank another episode just because i i don't i didn't know exactly what the content would be but i knew it was getting you know raised eyebrows uh from certain sectors and so we waited until bottle episode is that kind of what they're known as Mm -hmm. yeah sure um yep Mm -hmm. you know that's that's fair and uh so we waited until both nine and ten were out watch nine watch ten for me personally you know i like the exercise that is beard after hours um i like aspects of the episode a whole lot i think it's fun to follow a character that isn't i mean i guess you could say he's secondary but you know kind of exists in the ensemble um it felt like a pause when you wanted momentum. So, so mm-hmm. I can sort of see why it, you know, it, it could be a turnoff for fans uh, who were keeping up with the story, but, but on the whole, it's a fun little lark with some strong aspects to it. Uh, what, what about you, Reed? What was your sort of. So feelings? what I know out and it's funny, I actually had intention both when I first saw this episode and trying to prep for the podcast and neither time did I ever make it to it. It is my understanding that most of this episode is a direct homage to Martin Scorsese's film called after hours. Now I have never seen after hours, so I don't know 
what some of the overlays are. I don't know if it's just a, a loosely a similar premise, if it's, you know, there's some specific scenes and call outs and stuff. There's a lot in it that feels so random that I have to think like, okay, that's probably very much a, 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 a call out to after hours as it were. Um, so I feel like largely my appreciation for the episode is dampened by the fact that I have not yet seen after hours. And I wonder if my appreciation is going to grow after I watch that movie as it stands. This is an episode I just kind of get through. I don't dislike it because I like beard and I really like that. The three bar hops get some play. I like those. They're fun characters. So I, I, I kind of like, as you mentioned, Nathan, like I, the exercise is, is fun and I'm, on board for the exercise. Um, and there's a couple of moments in here that I, that I really like. I, Brendan Hunt is a delight and I just love seeing him get so much play. But by and large, this is an episode I just kind of get through. And in future rewatches that I do just of my own entertainment value, it's not going to be hard for me to imagine skipping this episode, just kind of moving on into the next piece, um, just to be transparent about it. Andrew, do you do you want to offer an alternate take to Reed's hate? My I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Year. Totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It hit my best of list for a TV episode. It's <laughs> funny. I someone there's a a pastor here in Holland who posted what did everybody think of this? She has a huge following because there was like 50 comments. It was very interesting to read through. Oh wow! Because people were saying like, well, I depend on this show for my my heaping ho- dose of like you know feel good. Um, oh wow! That was one big beef people seem to have with it was like oh well Mm. this doesn't fit with the ethos or whatever you would say of the show and me i am i like i don't know if the word's contrarian sometimes i like to be like well it was great so leave it alone and i kind of i kind (laughs) of i didn't push back on on media but on social media but in my head i'm like well this show's great whatever and so Mm -hmm. i think if i'm being completely honest with myself and honest with the experience of watching it it was okay (laughs) <laughs> sure yeah it wasn't yeah. like yeah i don't know it was okay well i will i, I will say, oh nope oh, oh, oh you will say, nope, Nathan, you, you, will say you, you 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 uh lucky you are my number one guy um uh it is almost worth the entire watching of it to get to actually Brendan Hunt actually hula hooping at the end like that. Oh, it's great. Is is like I read an interview with him and he actually is a highly skilled hula hooper and <laughs> is disappointed at what got on screen because they have been filming for like two days straight. And he's like, I really don't think I delivered as well as I could have. I'm like, wow, that is intense. That's so, so that that part is fun. And and again, I. I'm with you, Reed. It's hard. This this is this feels harsh. It's hard not to skip it for the future. Like if you're going sure. through, yeah, 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 yeah. At the same time, I don't like hate it or anything. It's just so anomalous to to the rhythm of the show writ large that it's yeah. hard to hard to feel like it's of the same piece. Well, what I see yeah. of the writers, heaven knows they tried. Oh, that's nice. That's a good call out. That's a good call out. I I will say that like there's there's a couple of moments in it. I'm going to shout out like I love the alternate theme. Like I know that's like right up top, but that, you know, very melancholy kind of overlay to the theme. Um, so I really like that alternate take. <laughs> the, uh, one of the bar hops and I, I should have uh, sought out which character's name this was, um, but is the one who is like that club turned away share. And he's like, do you believe that just comes out of nowhere and the actor fully committed to it. I just, 
I love it. Well, you're also a share household, like you said. You know. <laughs> we are. We are a share household. Um, I've seen share live. And she's legit. I'm sorry. We she's know legit. you've mentioned it before. I don't <laughs> yep. remember much, but I know that <laughs> <laughs> we can't get away from it every single time. It's the exorcist. And here we go life. again. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, so uh, but then I also did really appreciate and I know this is like literally I'm talking about the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode. So take that as you will. But the end of the episode, when he gets back into his office and he's like, no, no, no. The only way to watch this game is at 10 times the speed to the Benny Hill music. And I thought that was absolutely, I wish all of my worst failures, if they were public ones, could be replayed for me at 10 times the speed. Hey, Beckley, get on that edit. (laughs) So, uh, Uh, well, I want to throw out two then, and then Andrew's going to finish us off. If he has any thoughts to to finish us out for uh, a beard after hours. Uh, I think it's hilarious. The line. Uh, when the mysterious woman calls out the rip in his pants, he says they're designed that way to make it easy for people to kiss my ass. It's just, <laughs> that's just a great line. Uh, and then, uh, well, actually there's three. Are you there? God, it's me. Margaret's little boy is really funny. Um, yes. and read the scene at the end when he does come back to the office and they're all kind of musing over his disheveled look. And he just says, oh, I slept too late, fell off the bed. And Roy goes, yeah, sure. That's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, Andrew, you got good. any beard after hours? Final notes? I don't. Other than it's just <laughs> fine. Yeah, that's, of, it's okay. That's, that's yeah. about the sum of it. Yeah. Uh, what is not okay uh, or just okay <laughs> is no weddings and a funeral. Um, mm. As lukewarm as I am on beard after hours, I distinctly remember my wife and I watching this episode and neither of us really wanting to look at each other. Cause we're both weeping the, almost the <laughs> yeah. entire time yeah. like this yeah. I, I, for me, if I had to put a stamp on it, this is the best show, best episode of the series itself. Like mm. just, just beginning to beginning to end mm-hmm. serves all of its characters extremely well serves all of its storylines extremely well has the comedy has the best version of the heart the show is so good at to me yeah i think the only counterpoint i would make because i oh my re- God. no 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 just let me talk without interrupt so um i think the only counterpoint i would make is if somebody was like hey you know what's ted lasso like as a show then honestly, I think I would probably point them to, I forget the name of the episode, but the darts episode from season one. Hmm. That having been said, I don't disagree. I think this is the strongest episode, I think in terms of best written, best performed, delivers the most. I think the only sort of thing that would leave me holding back on also championing best episode of the series is I do think if this was the only episode you watched, you are missing a big flavor of the show that you get elsewhere in other episodes. But I think in terms of just Every single thing they aim for, they hit and it lands so effectively. This is just, this is an absolutely brilliant episode. It's an amazing episode. What you feeling, Andrew? Give us, give us your uh, 10,000 foot view. And then we're, it's what's really great. funny is I don't, I don't, I don't know distances really well. So 10,000 feet, <laughs> was it 3000 feet? Like whatever, you know what I'm saying? The bird's eye view. Uh, 16 millimeter, actually, okay. <laughs> well, that's millimeter, way too close. eight millimeter, like, uh, his life was shot on mostly. <laughs> in fact. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, the part where they're all singing, mm. Mm. that was beautiful. 
It's wonderful. That's absolutely like note. I really like that part. And and well, like so so to get into the plot of the episode, right up top, you find out that Rebecca's father has died, and so what the entire episode is is she's attending the funeral. Characters are interplaying. They're talking about death. They're talking about life. There's things happening with Ted specifically because he has a panic attack right before. Um, so we'll get into some specifics in just a second, but this is just a general plot summary of the episode. And then that scene you mentioned, the, one of the things that I think is so lovely about it is never going to give you up is the Rick roll. Like that's the fun song that just like, oh yeah, everybody knows never going to give you up. But there's a couple of lines in there that are so weighty for what the characters are actually going through. Like I was like, as they were sitting there, like, I know never going to give you up. Everybody knows never going to give you up. That's, that's, a, that's a really well-known song. But then like, Never going to run around, which is very much what Rebecca's, you know, conflicted with about her father. Never going to desert you, which Ted knows that he's, you know, that he, he has these abandonment issues because of his father's suicide and everything. And so it's, there's so much in the song, never going to give you up and in the actual lyrics of it that have gravity and weight to it. It is a perfect inclusion for it. It's not just, oh, we're going to insert a fun 80s song that everybody knows. There is so much narrative gravity to it. And I think that's really impressive. So yeah. Well, and to your point, what is what is a drumbeat of the character Ted Lasso that comes to a head there is quitting slash giving up. Yeah, absolutely. Rebecca's concern that uh, you know, kind of that 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 give you up sort of energy is is all over it. Mm. Never going to give. Oh, that's so great. When she says, "I thought he was a black man," that's hysterical. Let's look at some specifics from that episode as Nathan sure. his notes here. Can I lead with one since Please. you're looking at your notes? Uh-huh. Um, I'm calling it. I'm not talking about it yet because we'll <clears> talk <throat> about it in the finale conversation, but it is really worth noting. I noticed it here and was not paying as much attention to it in the first go round that uh, while Ted is getting dressed to easy lover, mm-hmm. the camera That's lingers. Oh, it's a great song. Um, the camera lingers on his dresser, where mm-hmm. is the picture that Nathan had given him for uh, Christmas? Mm-hmm. And it's the picture of him that he'd like, you know, signed and everything. And Ted has it prominently featured in his home, uh, right there on his dresser. Um, so it is very much a treasured thing to him. Without getting into the finale conversation right now, that will become a talking point of the finale. Um, and it was just so subtle in the way they just sort of lingered on it for a second, showed you, Hey, it's right there. And then they moved on with the episode. So I wanted to call it out in these conversations just to say like, yep, that picture's going to come up again. Um, Andrew, yeah. do you have any specific lines, notes, favorite be- beats from this episode? I think the way it progresses, I think it's Rebecca and Rupert's kind of dynamic a little mm-hmm. bit too. I think in that I, I yeah. just, that whole arc of them and how, and you know, this is just moving it along in that, like, man, it's, it's hard. It's, it's sad, but beautiful. And it, like, it's, mm. I think a lot of the, a lesser show would take easy stabs at things, but this sits with more, com- more complexity, I think. And I really like yeah. that about it. And, yeah. um, just that was the, that's the other, so the singing part and just, um, and oh, in the way that Sam uh, and Rebecca too, that whole dynamic mm. in this, it's like, oh gosh, 
This is the one where he says, like, I, I think this is, I think the correct part where he says, um, I'm only going to get more, more, wonder- yeah. Oh. yeah, more wonderful. Yeah. Oh, well, in that same scene, I love his, <laughs> oh no, I hate big butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> That's hysterical. That's hysterical scripting there. Uh, oh, a good. few, a few fun drops for me are, uh, <laughs> Jamie, these suits aren't made for people like us, made for sheep. <laughs> Made for muggles, <laughs> made for twats. <laughs> I'm made for muggles. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. It's so funny. Uh, there's that. Um, I find it hysterical when the ladies are going nuts over Rebecca and Sam. It's hysterical. Like that's wonderful. Yes, sassy. The mom's not in there yet. No, the mom's in remember. there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But the like, mom's part of it. Keely, Nora, sassy. The mom. They're all shrieking. It's it's hysterical. Um, It's really great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, So uh, bringing it down a little bit, I would say, well, no, just down in terms of like, it's amazing in terms of the interplay. It's just heavy emotionally. It's when Rebecca is talking about finding her father having cheated interplayed with Ted talking about finding his father dead. And um, that that whole thing, I mean, it it's powerhouse acting from uh, Sudeikis and Waddingham. Like it, it is really incredible in terms of scripting, because, you know, many, many shows have before sort of interplayed where the scenes pick up and it feels like it's a seamless conversation. Um, and so this this does that. But it's, it's all about this profound delusionment with this parental figure that you, you know, look so much to, to pour into your identity and pour into the direction for your life, the stability of the world around you. Um, and them each in turn describing the way that shattered for them was really profound to watch. Um, and it's, it's just an absolutely powerful moment, uh, in turn. I just, I, yeah, I, I, I love, I love that scene, even though, yeah, that's a, that whole scene will just like, rip the tears right out of you it's 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 pretty heavy but i love it yeah it's an incredible scene um well i'll I'll say it it's a spoiler alert for next week to me it's the best scene of the whole show the series period like that that one way that the way that's constructed the way it's delivering on character that because i'll say this for me it's 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 a, a, a mild drumbeat i've developed with my relationship to season two some of the Tedisms in season two to me get a little cloying um, and a little strong. And I think it's, it's scenes like that that reassert for me, okay, this is a trustworthy show for what it's doing with its characters. Yeah. Uh, it, it knows what it's doing. It's yeah. The, the, the character work done in that scene and not even just the character work, but from a production level, you mentioned it Reed, but the, it puts adjacent stories that on their own, you wouldn't have necessarily put adjacent, you know? Right. Right. It's yes. It's about parental uh, trauma or, or the trauma of children and, and their experience with their parents, but the stories in and of themselves are relatively different, but the way mm. it's written, the way it's edited. Yeah. It's a fantastic scene. Yeah. It's wonderful. Uh, yeah. Are we done with Ted? Uh, I think so. I think that's it. <clears throat> this has been another installment of uh, TV Guide Posts. 
as a segment on our show uh, made for people like us, not for sheep or muggles or twats. None of them. Uh, but it has been episodes nine and nine of season two of Ted Lasso. Tune in. My co-hosts did not catch that joke. Uh, tune in next week for the finale conversation of Ted Lasso season two. What do you mean right. we didn't catch that joke? We're not you didn't laughing over to it. There's not. You're not. We're, you didn't. We're not That's laughing that episodes over nine of... and nine. That's okay. You're allowed to. You're <laughs> no, allowed to. No. I'm allowed. I'm allowed um, to what? I'm allowed to miss things you say. Happens all the time. No, no, that's no, you, 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 you misheard what I said. Mm, um, mm. All right. So it is time to hold each other and weep. Mm. Um, but before we do that, Andrew. Yes. You're the jackass who submitted this episode. Um, <laughs> I, know. I want to apologize what's, to everyone. What's so no, funny? No. What's so funny is. Uh, three weeks ago, we had Life is Beautiful, which, spoiler alert, I have listened to the podcast episode and the ladies did an impeccable job, but I've not watched the movie yet. But even having not watched the movie, I got very emotional listening to them talk about the movie. Uh, and so then I was like, oh, I thought I had avoided the the sad Holocaust movie, you know, <laughs> kind of what saves us candidate. And here you are, you know, <laughs> you're like, nope, <laughs> can't skirt that one, Nathan. So, so yeah, why don't you take a minute and just kind of share with us, you know, what, or, or read, are we doing two questions first? I'm getting ahead of myself. No. And I so, do. and I purpose, what, what's funny is that, um, I had this little rapid internal debate that I didn't let anybody in on Andrew's first time guest. And with all of our first time guests, we always ask them opening questions, but I thought it would be better to sort of save that for the, hidden life portion of the conversation. So as we're yep. going in and so what I would, oh. what I would, yeah. So what I would say is like, let's go ahead and, um, and, and, and ask him the two questions and maybe lead that into why he chose hidden life for, um, f- you know, for what saves us. So, um, I'll go ahead and start with the first one. Uh, the first question we always ask guests is just kind of what got you into this, um, horror and horror affection, horror faith, whatever you want to answer. Like just what got you, what got you into the thing where you would, sit with us at this intersection. Yeah. Um, I remember watching, uh, Ex- the exorcist was one of the movies that actually got <laughs> trigger word. <laughs> but I know it's one of those things that I'm just, you know, I, I know it, it, for me, it, I read about it. There was a well, film for starters. When I read, there was a book called uh, how films help save my soul. And it was, mm. I got it in 2006 and it's written by a guy named Gareth Higgins who wrote, who, we did a podcast called the film talk. Hmm. And uh, in that he talked about the exorcist. And I thought, this is interesting. There's a, there's a horror movie in this book about this stuff. Like what? And I remember I would have been 18. Uh, and I was like, all right. And I, and I was living with my parents at the time. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to watch the exorcist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, don't do that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm preparing. And they're like, you gotta do your own thing, man. You're whatever. So, uh, my mom's a chaplain and my brother's a pastor. So there's some whole mm-hmm. familiar mm-hmm. stuff okay. going with that. And, uh, sure. and so I, I watched it and I, it was very, it was very frightening. Um, <laughs> but I, I tried to watch it through the lens of like this, what this book was proposing, which was, how you know what does it say about the soul and stuff like that Mm. um and from that point kind of moving forward i just really haven't i I don't know it's kind of like the idea of the controlled 
what language I'm trying to figure out how to say this. It's like you're watching something that's like should be not safe, but it's safe because you're watching it on the screen. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, sure. Um, And so it's kind of like this controlled therapy almost in a way, which is really exciting and kind of cool. And I enjoy it. And I think... Yeah, just looking at the the bigger picture, kind of zooming out and also zooming into things and, and, mm, and seeing mm-hmm. how things comment uh, on us as humans and existentially and um, with with God and all that stuff. Like seeing how everything is interplaying with each other, especially in the dynamics of horror films as well, where uh, which is the whole like we, we talk about what, what uh, scares us so we can find what uh, saves us. And mm-hmm. I think... Yeah, there, there's just you can find that in that, and I love that. And so uh, the other uh, outlier I put in here was True Detective season one, which I really, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it really shook me, and it was very mm. put me in kind of a bad place almost. But revisiting it since then, I've been able to kind of reconcile it. But that was one that really had that kind of propelled me a little bit more into fear, just like being like, oh, this mm. is this is mm. really dark. Uh, it's dark. But there's yeah. something good there. I don't know. So those are my thoughts yeah. on that. No, that's True Detective. Awesome. True Detective season one has. <clears throat> I'm I'm finding it interesting that it has come up casually in conversation more than once. I think I think True Detective season one might need to be part of our 2022 slate. I'm just going to throw hey. it out there right now because uh, that's. I, I, yeah, it, it keeps coming up. I think it's bubbling up into the <laughs> surface. Maybe yes. uh, anyway. Um, so, so yeah, thank you very much for that, Andrea. The second question that we always ask first-time guests, uh, which you can answer as silly or as existentially as you prefer, uh, what scares you? Uh, I have this written down. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, so the scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in the very beginning where they're all oh. on the boat in the middle of the ocean. And it explodes. And it's like, they like, you know, if a ship explodes in the middle of the sea, does it happen or whatever? Like, <laughs> right but like, but that's why it scares me so much. Cause like, did it happen? No one would know. And wow. it's like, uh, that just terrifies me. Like, like in the middle of nowhere, that and, uh, existential loneliness. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Really. Um, and I want to, can I, can I share this quick tune? We'll see. I got, I got this guitar here. Oh, share please do. That what? I've written, uh, and I, I've tried to make sense of, of God through ghosts and stuff like that. So this is a song. Ooh, I'm excited. Oh, this is a Fear of God exclusive. I'm excited oh, about this. Don't mind it. It's going on the album. So, let's, <laughs> so here, tell me if you can hear this okay. I okay. can. Mm-hmm. So here we go. So this is, um, this is a song that is called Ghost Story, and it goes like this, and it's about this idea of, uh, the things in the depths of your soul kind of stirring a dissonance uh, and spurring us further into beauty. Mm, okay. Nice. That sounds nice. okay. Oh, okay, here you go. So it's um, in the hollow of my heart, you trace your finger the length of the wall. And from those vacant places, all those empty spaces, you're asking me to follow where you go. To rooms that I'm scared as hell to know. Where you renovate corrupt 
and rotting wood And you're writing wrongs to be the way they should Well, the sum of my breath It amounts to a death When the ghost story ends For the bones I'm living in May my lungs release With what's left on my leaves Tongues from the ghost Stirring dissonance so deep In my soul In my soul And from the basement to the attic Of this house I've learned to loathe You're revealing secrets I have yet to know Cause from the basement to the heights Of the spires in the sky You've bled into every single board Now a ghost walks these halls and roams the floor Meeting penance I've carved thick into the walls Bringing life to death, resurrecting every hall well, the sum of my breath, it amounts to death When the ghost story ends, for the bones I'm living in May my lungs release with what's left on my leaves Tongues from the ghost Stirring dissonance so deep in my soul In my soul In my soul Dude, that dude, what, dude? It's like a world. Is that a world release? Is that a a world preview? World premiere? That is a world premiere. It's not. Look out! Look out! Living anywhere right now. (laughs) He, Andrew Nelson, debuting tracks. That on off the presses. My gosh! Real quick, it feels (laughs) it feels like we'd be just jerkish peers and hosts who just (laughs) permitted you to do that to not pivot that into what are you working on right now so listeners if you're yeah. unfamiliar andrew isn't just a a um a jingle writer for the fear of god he <laughs> has a a burgeoning music uh, uh career he's working on so so tell us a little bit about what's currently in motion oh well, the funny joke i was thinking was reed keeps me in his basement and just brings me food every now and then it says write <laughs> yeah. more music for the fear yeah, of god yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need a new jingle andrew <laughs> get to work down here i've been down here a long time no um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I do video as well. Uh, so the main project I'm working on right now actually is, uh, is with an author and speaker here in Holland, Michigan. And I am working on, uh, it is a short film documentary about, uh, St- uh Teresa of Avila's interior, mm. uh, interior castle is the book she wrote. Mm. And it's a, 
kind of a, it's going to be an hour long, eight segment, uh, short film about it. And I'm scoring wow. it and filming it. And I'm just, it's, it's, a, it's taken up the next seven months and I'm really excited about it. That's so awesome. That's what I'm working on. Yeah. So exciting. That's fantastic. So that's oh man. That's cool. so great. Well, uh, th- listen, man, that was lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm so, so excited to hear that song back again for the recording. <laughs> I just, I can't even tell you. Um, but you also, I mean, obviously like the reason that you're here is because you had, uh, submitted to what saves us mm-hmm. Terrence Malick's film, a hidden life. Um, yes. so, before we, you know, sort of dive into it, um, I want to know, like, yeah, what, what about it? You now, you had written it, so I know, but yeah. you're here, so I'm going to let you say it. Uh, what uh, about it made it your submission for what saves us to this? I entry? will be brief, so we can get into the film. And what I would say is, I was thinking of what to say about it, um, mm-hmm. and I realized as I was watching it, I wouldn't always identify as a Christian, I've agnostic, sort of spiritual, mm-hmm. hopeful, mm-hmm. whatever. But when I watch this movie, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's, uh, and, and I have, I wrote, I, there's a, there's a conversation in particular in it. I will get to it, but I, I wrote it down. Um, and it's about, uh, I think this film is so relevant to today. And I, I don't know, I don't want to, mm. this isn't a politics podcast, so I won't get too far into that, but it, it resonated a you lot. Can. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, then here we go. Uh, well, uh, God is in the details. So here we go. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I found this so relevant to today in how this ugliness of white Christian nationalism is so just alive still, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and it's not, and so much of our country is just rooted in whiteness. It's rooted in, uh, this and, and the conversation. I'll just I'll just tell you a brief part of it, and we'll get to it more later. But uh, the this this person who is painting, uh, I, th- I think he's doing stations of a cross of the cross. Mm, I think he's mm-hmm. painting them in a in a in a yes. chapel or something. And he says, "We create sympathy. We create admirers. We don't create followers. Christ's yep. life is a demand. We don't want to be reminded of. We don't want to be reminded of it, so we don't have to see what happens to the truth or to truth." And or something like that. I didn't say it very well, but, but it's talking about like, and I, I, I wrote what I wrote down kind of in reflection of that was like idolatry destroys relationship and it destroys any hope of, mm. uh, health, uh, mm-hmm. in, 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 in a, in your relationship to something else or someone. And, um, I think we've made an idol out of, mm our country. We've made an idol out of Christianity. We've made a lot of, out a lot of Christ and God. Cause you know, rather than being a follower, there's these, I think when, when you also, when you become a admirer rather than a follower and you make mm-hmm. something an idol, you're, you're, you, you choose principles over people. And mm-hmm. I think it, it's mm-hmm. like, you're, you're more in love with the brand than what it's about, like getting in the thick of things. And so that's why, yeah, I don't know. I, I, watching it this time around, it really resonated with that and really like, I, I, I wept a lot <laughs> watching it, but sure, like, sure. Uh, but that was, I think I, I cried a lot after that scene and I was, I tried to pause it because I was like trying to process that thought. I, I don't, I don't have a perfect language for it. I don't know sure, completely sure. what it means, but as far as the, this, this interaction, this, uh, our main guy has with the, uh, the painter that just like, oh, this time around, I was just like, I felt convicted in it. I felt mm-hmm. uh, moved and 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 sad. And uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Real, real, no. real quick. Let me, let me real quick read. I'm sorry, because it's relevant to the text of that scene, uh, because I wrote down a lot of it as well. Yeah. And, and I want <laughs> me to, <laughs> I want yeah. to, to, to staple to what you've just said there, Andrew, because one of the final bits he says there is I paint their comfortable Christ with a halo over his head. Someday I'll paint the true Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just wanted to make sure that was on the yes. table. And I wanted to alert you that agnostic, spiritual, hopeful, whatever is it. You are welcome here, brother. Uh, <laughs> Amen. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Read, so I cut would, you off. No, that's okay. Yeah. It, I was about to do it's perfect. We couldn't have timed it better. I was about to do the same thing you were going to do, but I was going to highlight a different moment from that okay. sequence and speech because I was going to write down the next point. The one thing that neither of you said, but is also in that sequence is he said, uh, a darker time is coming when men will be more clever. They won't fight the truth. Mm-hmm. They'll just ignore it. Mm-hmm. They'll just ignore it. Yep. And well, I mean, that what's whole, so, what's sequence. so funny about you saying that is I've gotten my notes cause I was, I was writing patches as I went. I've got, they won't fight the truth. They'll just ignore it. But I couldn't remember the context. That's all I read. Like, I'm not going to say <laughs> yeah. that because I don't know yeah. what I'm saying here. But Who yeah. Says yeah. That? So, so yeah. that, yeah. that's all. I mean, that's all in that scene with the painter thing. So I, so I will, if we can take a brief detour, because I actually, I had the impulse to move to that's so right, uh, yeah. from that moment. We want to step back and give the, uh, what the movie's about. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. That's that's kind of what I was thinking because I think so yeah. much of what's going to extend from this conversation will 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 move from that. So um, I'll share, and then we'll go to that. So right next, you know. Cool. Um, so I'll I'll share that like I've watched several Terrence Malick films. I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen you know at least more than half of them. Um, and he has a very distinct style. He has a very particular flavor to to his films. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sometimes his films are very you know, evocative and they're not necessarily narrative centric to the, you know, to the place where accessible. uh, It's a great word. They're not all accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, But hidden life, this was my first time seeing it. So when you submitted it, I was like, Oh, I haven't seen that film yet. So this will be a good excuse for me to come and watch it. And um, watching it, I was a bit taken by surprise by how direct the narrative was. And so for listeners who may not have seen this film, this narrative is uh, very direct and specific. It's in World War II um, era in the 1930s and early 1940s, late 1930s, early 1940s. And uh, what happens is there is a man by the name of Franz, and he is uh, a farmer in, is it uh, Rutengrad? I should have written more of these names down, but it's a local village, a very small uh, village uh, in which he and his wife and their daughters live a very quiet pastoral life uh, in this rural community. Um, well, then in broader Germany, um, then Hitler is rising to power. And he, among some of uh, other uh, men of his age, are sent away to like a training camp, like a boot camp. Um, and while he's there, he begins to get some uneasiness about the direction of the Nazi party and the direction of, of Hitler's rising regime. And uh, he brings that discomfort back with him, and he's really uneasy about the direction that all of that is headed. So then when the time comes when everyone in, in, in Austria is called up, every able-bodied man is called up, and you have to join the army, and you have to, as part of joining the army, you have to swear an oath of loyalty to Hitler. And he is, he cannot do it because of his convictions, his personal convictions, his rooted in faith. He cannot bring himself to do that. 
And as he is kind of digging his heels in on realizing that he cannot bring himself to swear an oath to Hitler, things get harder for his family. He is taken away. And the moment that he is called up to the military, he goes, he shows up on the first day, but he does not swear an oath of loyalty. And so he is put into prison. And so much of the movie is about their struggles, his privately as he is trying to survive prison uh, for the stance he has taken and his wife and their daughters back at home um, who is trying to continue the farm life, which is, is difficult. It's, it's hard work and it's, it requires assistance from the community, but she steadily loses that assistance from the community because they disagree with what her husband is doing. And so the film is wrapped up in that tension throughout its runtime. And so that is, uh, that, that, that's the bulk of this film for listeners who may have no context for what it's about. Um, oh, and also, did you yeah, see, I'm pretty sure the, <clears throat> the root of it, the, well, one, it's based on real people, but two, it is based on a real story, the yeah. sort of, uh, at least launch point for the script was their letters to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not read and, that. That is and what kind of sealed the deal was that at least two of the daughters were still alive. And they got their Mm. sort of seal of approval before moving forward to move forward with it. Oh, wow. Well, it's a, you know, and anybody who's ever seen a Terrence Malick film, you know, Terrence Malick's style is meditative, lots and lots of voiceover uh, moments like that scene with the painter where you're just going to encounter characters waxing poetic about life and faith and philosophy and that's that's much of what a Terrence Malick film is. You know, there's not a lot of propulsive action. There's not a lot uh, driving. There's not even you. always a lot of dialogue, and a lot of good the point. Scene, yep. A lot of the scenes are not always tied to each other. There are a lot of right just scenes that happen. You just see it. Yes, exactly. And they overlay. I I I was just having a conversation with someone about his film Tree of Life earlier mm-hmm. this week, um, which you know the the person that I was talking with. Um, was saying like, yeah, Tree of Life is just very like, it has no point because, mm. and, and the, you know, we're not having a discussion about Tree of Life right now, but they were saying that, you know, it's just like a bunch of disjointed scenes that kind of overlay. And I proposed, although I don't respond as strongly to Tree of Life, even as I did to A Hidden Life, um, that uh, I said, well, what if Terrence Malick's like, you know, sort of structure is more emotional evocation and not necessarily narrative through line? So mm. to your point, Andrew, scenes just sort of happen and the way they overlay each other is meant to evoke a kind of an emotional or an intellectual response maybe both at the same time rather than propelling a narrative forward and i think that needs to be understood before you sort of buckle in for a terrence malick film if that's what they, you're going to try to do they take some work i think is another they way to do. put it like and it's like they're there's some parts of it that are kind of boring and i don't mm-hmm. in that in a mm-hmm. negative way i think they're just parts of it that are just there and you have, and, and, but it's worth the whole, I think, I think it's worth the whole experience of just, you know, working past that a little bit. And I, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. That's not a criticism. I think that's more of just a aspect of it. I think. Yeah, I agree. Nathan, what you, what you, what you percolating there? Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't want to jump into that. So right. Just yet until I usually will unpack and, and read. I want you to, if, if there's more you want to say about your experience of this film, sure. sure but yeah, Andrew, you just made the comment of sometimes their work and not to be your contrarian here, but when I say this a lot, but life is just busy for us and for our house and we're in the middle of this. We, we had some, some water damage in our kitchen 
four friggin' months ago that's finally getting taken care of now. So we don't have a kitchen for this week. And so like it we're we're there's a lot of bodies <laughs> in a smaller space than it <laughs> usually is. I'm I'm very busy with work. And so this was coming up and and <laughs> I should have known. I was like, Malik, I just wasn't thinking through. And I was like, oh my God, three hour movie. Oh, what have I done? And <laughs> what is today today's thursday i watched it on monday i think mm, yeah i think that's right because you text and and i surprised even myself because i was prepping for the potential okay three-hour movie i could maybe do this in two sittings and i did the whole thing and you know i i know what you mean and so i'm jokingly being contrarian to you i know what you mean when you say sometimes it's work or this is work or his style can be work mm-hmm it's been a long time since I'm since I've seen tree of life. Uh, I love elements about tree of life. I think in hindsight, if I were to watch it now, I might love the, t- the whole a little less than I did when it was first around, but I found this incredibly moving and immersive. And one of those, like not so much boring as much, even the quote unquote slow aspects, I couldn't really look away. I was, it's, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's incredibly shot. I mean, it is a, I joked on Calvary. I wrote down where this takes place. I, I added to that note, Austria, go to Austria. Like this is so, <laughs> it is so beautiful. And it's, it's just one of those films. And this is jumping ahead to recommend. It's one of those films where, yeah, it takes carving out time for, yes, but sure. But if you're willing to carve out that time is incredibly rewarding and not just from a kind of narrative standpoint, but from a just you, I had my ear AirPods in like I've got right now. And so I'm just, it's almost like I'm in the way he shoots this. It's like, I am, I am on the cliffside with them watching this stuff right. play yes. out and it's really powerful and beautiful. So anyway. One quick note too on when I yeah. first saw it, I saw it in the theater. I saw it twice uh, in the theater when mm-hmm. I was in the theater in 2018. And I remember the second time I was, or the first time I went to see it, I remember I was like, it's two, it's two hours and 45 minutes, I think. And I was like, it was maybe two, at minute two, two hours, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And there were these two uh, teenage girls that walked in in a very empty theater where I was sitting in the middle and very engrossed in the film. And they sat right behind, like two seats behind. They were talking. And I turned around and I gave them the meanest look. <laughs> I was so I was so in this and like, get out of my nest. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's here? funny. And they got up and walked out. And it was That's hilarious. It was amazing. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. But that's but I think that's what this movie, you know, what, what you were saying, Nathan, about carving out time for it and, and it being rewarding and being able and feeling like you're there. You, you feel like you're there. I mean the I wrote down. I looked up uh, the the lenses they shot with it. Um, they, they didn't re- they didn't go above a sixteen millimeter. A sixteen millimeter is a wide angle lens. Is for if if you don't not familiar with uh, video speak, but uh, they shot with eight millimeter, twelve millimeter, and fourteen millimeter. And uh, a lot of those are very uh, the wider angle you get, the more rounded it'll look. Um, mm, mm. And it, that's why it's so beautiful. So that's one. Mm. Oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely well. Gorgeous. And did you did you also note uh, this is on the IMDb stuff? Uh, they shot with as little artificial light as they could. Yes. It was they they shot with the natural light every yeah. chance they could. Like mm. it was very intentional. Yes. Even the prison scenes, they would basically stop shooting once they lost the light. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
No, it's it's, oh, it's yeah, so it's it's absolutely. Read, take incredible. us somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah. Either so, your so, story or that's the right. Yeah. So 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 I'll share this. Like the first Terrence Malick film that I ever saw in the theater was The Thin Red Line, and you go into a war movie, and I was ready for like, oh, it's going to be like action and bombardment, and of course it's Terrence Malick, so it's very meditative. And yes, there are some fight scenes, but I was just like, oh my gosh, what are we? Is it still going? It's still going. The fight okay. scenes in that make you not feel good about the fighting. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but it should do. And so it's funny. That was my first Malik, but a hidden life. So I've seen that. I've seen New World. I have seen Badlands and Days of Heaven, both of which I I, I love. I, re- I I respond pretty positively to Malik. I, I really uh, enjoy his material. But here's what I'll say about a hidden life. And this is going to probably sound a little weird. There, there's this there's this sensibility that you can get when you have had a really really long day. And you are tired, and especially like if you've been if you've been traveling somewhere, or if, or if the day has just been long and difficult, where the sense of a really comfortable shower, like where the water is either warm or maybe it's a little on the cool side, something that is refreshing to you, and you just stand there and let the water wash over you, um, that is kind of the feeling that I got watching Hidden Life, where it was just like any time. I was engrossed in a scene. I was just like, this is, yeah, this is, this is the kind of thing that what I want to call it is I want to kind of call it like a really comfortable shower for the spirit is what I feel like calling it. And I know that might sound a bit pretentious, but it's like, like it really is kind of the sensibility that I got as I was watching it. So it's like when the time comes to recommend it, it's going to be really difficult because like, you know, I'm not going to recommend it the same way that I would recommend, sure. you know, like Avengers Endgame or the way that I would yeah. recommend, you know, Ted Lasso or something like that. But it's just like, yeah, if you if you have a weariness to your heart, if you have a weariness about you, there's something I think in the in the DNA of this film that might provide a really, really nice, refreshing sort of sort of spiritual bath, as it were. Um, well, film on that note, on that note, I'm so sorry. Uh, so I posted having watched it and the rector at the church, we occasionally attend uh, that I'm peers with on, on Facebook. His comment was this movie is a prayer. Mm. And so, mm. you know, yeah. kind of in the spirit of that read, Andrew, say what you're going to say oh. and then read, please take us away. The last, the last mm. thing I was gonna say was it came out at the same time as Joker did. I did oh, not wow. like Joker. I hated Joker. Wow. <laughs> okay. And okay yeah. I, I, and I know there was some, Pop, I'm going to be contrarian about that on here, but for me, <laughs> I, and this isn't about Joker, but I, I hated it. And I got maybe halfway through it and I just was like, this is not doing good things to my spirit. This is mm-hmm. not doing good things to my heart. I, I'm not enjoying this. And I remember a day or two later, this was coming out. Or I, I saw it within a little short time of that. And oh, it was, it was refreshing. And that's awesome. Ahead, no, no, no. That's really awesome. Well, no, um, actually, so. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> go that into guitar that. Out. We're gonna go into that. So right, and if you are down for it, we 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 should do a live. That's so right. Oh. Like if if oh, you are up for thing? it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'm glad to. So here we go. It goes. That's so right. That's so right. That's so right. It's just so right. That's so right. It's just so right. It's just so right. There you go. <laughs> oh my God, it's so amazing. It's so lovely. This is so lovely. Um, so yes, this is the segment, uh, particularly in these What Saves Us entries, where 
we talk about what's so right about a film. Andrew, this is this is your piece. Um, yeah. So this is your entry. So I'm going to let you lead the way here. Uh, go ahead right. and select. Go ahead and select your you know number one. Uh, yep. That's so right moment uh, for us about this film. Gathering my notes. I have three pages of notes. <laughs> uh, but I, but I'll yeah. So. Uh, one one I'm just they're not in particular order sequentially, but sure, uh, sure. one thing that I, I I love is the the friend he makes in the mm. in the very beginning who he meets again in prison, mm-hmm. and there's a scene where they're where he's talking and he talks about like I, you know I'll be with my wife at the vineyard and we'll drink a little bit of wine but not too much and mm. it's just this beautiful like kind of a s- simple kind of guy seeming like just very, uh, I think he says he has no thing, uh, thing about him, like no pretense. pretense? About him. That, yeah, pretense. Yep. Mm-hmm. He has no pretense about him. And he's just this man that uh, Franz, our, our main guy meets, uh, he meets him at whether, whether in training for, for being uh, soldiers, but then he also meets him in prison and they have this kind of just this sweet friendship um, mm-hmm. that I, that I, that's, that's so right. <laughs> oh man. Can I, can I comment on that? One of the moments I got emotional when you mentioned his friend, because one of the things that was on my list, this is, this was not going to be my, my, uh, that's so right entry, but, mm-hmm. but piggybacking off of what you just said, my God, when he talks about the, there's a moment where they are exchanging thoughts and it is clear that the friend is expressing his thoughts about what happens after they've killed you. Mm-hmm. And he says, so your head is gone and the chains are on your body. And then, and he says, then you lift your head and you put it back on your body and the chains are gone. Mm-hmm. And I, I wow. started like, I started getting so emotional because he was, because that was what it was his, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, Andrew, I thought it was so, uh, such a great primer for going into a Malik film. Scenes just happen. It's not that that progresses the narrative any of it. This is just mm-hmm. showing you their friendship. And then when he, like, I wrote down, I was, I was stunned by that. Just this visual image of they take you to this ugly, grotesque, hideous thing mm-hmm. and they decapitate you. And then the idea of a man in chains lifting his head back onto his body and then the mm-hmm. chains are gone. And, and I'm just, and he even said, he said, you look around, he said, what do you see? Maybe you see the moon, you know? And I was just like, oh, oh my gosh, this is all just so. It's so heartwarming right. and it is so spirit lifting and it's just, uh, it is so right. It is so right. I have a different moment, but yes, I, I had to piggyback off that one. The other two that I have, uh, one is uh, just the whole sequence of there will be no more mysteries. Mm. Um, mm. It's, it's in the very, it's in the very end and spoiler alert. I mean, it's, it's a true story. <laughs> so yes, yeah, here we course, are. Yeah. Uh, uh, Franz gets killed uh, for what happened. And there's a scene where, Sorry, is uh, mm-hmm. so there, yeah, there's a yeah. scene where uh, his wife is is out on the farm, and uh, one thing that happens a lot is there's just a lot of working. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of play, mm. playfulness, lightness, but also just a lot of work, uh, work, farm working, like physical working. And there's a scene where she's talking, and um, she says, "When this is all done, there will be no more mysteries." Mm-hmm. And we'll know where we came from and we'll know everything. And it's just like this really beautiful and that, that moves something in me. Cause it's like, it, there, that, that's, that's the, that's the mystery, right? Like what, mm-hmm. what happens? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's, and she says, I'll see, I'll see you again, friends in the mountains. 
and mm. yeah, I'll meet you there in the mountains. It's yes. I'm, oh God, it's like, yeah. and, and that's the I don't, final line of the film. I think yeah. it is the final line of the film. And uh, like, I don't know if listeners can pick up. It is hard to talk about this film without getting choked up. It's hard yeah. to watch the film without getting choked mm. up. It is. It is so saturated with beauty and grace and it is. Yeah. It's, it's so lovely. And the other scene that I would say is I, it's so right in that it just, I just lost it at this point. It was the scene where his, well, there's a whole leading up to him going to jail for, for, for saying, no, I'm not going to swear allegiance to Hitler leading up to that. When he kind of is making the decision, there's a lot of, a lot of the people in his village are saying like, well, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And and his wife starts talking to him like, well, what if you did this? Or, and, and at first she's really upset, but then she kind of gets more like, well, what if you, what if you became a doctor? What if you, you know, what if you did certain different things? Right. Right. And she realizes he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And she just holds him and she's angry. And, mm. oh, and it's just really beautiful. I'm sorry. And it's really mm-hmm. this beautiful moment. And I thought of, um, man, I just thought of, you know, I'm I'm newly married, and you know, mm-hmm. a, a, about over a year, a little over a year ago, and just this seeing this this play out in that way, it's just it just felt so real, and mm-hmm. like, wow, this guy's choosing to 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 do this, and this is how she's reacting, and this this felt real, and that was. Oh, that was, I was just like, and then, and then right afterwards, there's one, one last thing when she's, when he goes to jail, uh, he goes to jail and, or prison, whatever. And she's writing about the, the children, like they they have children and she's writing Mm, like, well, I I could tell you of their disobedience. They only want me to tell you about the good things they're doing. (laughs) And she says, it's very, and she's kind of communicating. It's very hard being here without you. And she said the one line that just like really moving when she said like, um, come, you know, our daughter wants you to sleep next to her. And I told her you would do that when you get home. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's a profoundly moving film. Uh, it's yeah. like, and you, and, and no, 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 no need to apologize. But yeah. what listeners, I, what I want listeners to know is like, Andrew has just, uh, illuminated scenes that are maybe a minute and a half in length for a two hour and 50 minute film Yeah, where nearly every scene has a, a, a similar sort of loveliness and grace to it. They're not all that emotional. They're yeah. not all that, um, you know, like, like hard hitting, but they all have that, that same tone, that same mm-hmm. sense of uh, just a watchfulness to all of it and a, and a, and a knowingness to all of it that is really quite, quite profound and quite moving um nathan the music I, the music last last oh episode, sure sure yeah the music yeah. was written by james newton howard who also did the music for the village yes he that did exactly yes. right and, um, and the score has a very village oh, yes, kind of it feel does. to it oh man yeah. so that was, was the last thing i wanted to say for that well what's funny yeah. about that is on the way home today i queued up the score not just to kind of get my head in the space mm-hmm. and i was like Dagum. oh James Newton Howard, the village. This is what this yes. sounds like. <laughs> Those in, strings. In fact, they got this person named Hilary Hahn, who's a violinist, to play yeah, for the in, in for the village. Yeah, yeah. And the first name in the credits is her, which was really. I, I'm guessing. I'm. I think. I remember watching it recently, and I saw that her name is the first. And I'd like. They must have. Spent yeah, there a was lot some to, collaboration. To get yeah. Her. yeah, yeah. But anyways, wow. yeah. No, that's awesome, Nathan. What would you uh, What would you say is is on your that's so right list? Mm. Um, 
at about the hour and five minute mark, there is uh, Franz and uh, his wife are are wrestling with the coming time and that wrestling has spilled over into kind of conflict between the two of them and there's kind of a coldness i can't remember exactly what's transpiring there but how i wrote it is after a run of disconnectedness so so i just remember there's you know she's maybe putting up some walls over the path that is beginning to form in front of them and uh it can't be understated how this family is it three i'm pretty sure there's three kids right yeah Yeah. yes yeah there's three kids and they're all girls and Mm -hmm. i have three children and they're all girls and it's just a moment and to to analog this a little bit uh if you've listened to the show for five years, some of this won't be utterly foreign, but uh, my wife and I will celebrate 18 years in January. And there was a fallow season where 18 years seemed like a non-existent possibility. Mm. And, and we, we came out of that moment and, and what um, the scene that really kind of hit me, is they are beginning to reconcile in the film and they're rolling kind of in the grass together. It's this very beautiful scene and you hear the children off camera and she just says, do you want to have more? Mm -hmm. And they, they know, they know Mm -hmm. this future Mm -hmm. is not to be theirs. Mm -hmm. And what just really, so, so the, the, the sort of personal there is just when proverbially and figuratively my wife and i were in the grass having reconciled there was this grieving that had to happen for the time that that was no longer available to us Mm. Uh, and Mm. and and that's what i see in that scene is this this unspoken grieving of of acknowledging the beautiful recognizing the apocalyptic bearing down on them and uh yeah so Fanny's Fanny saying, do you want to have more was a, that's so right to me. And, and to piggyback Andrew on the, the reference of the letter she writes to him of the children's stories, Mm. she says, one of them says, leave the door unlocked. So Papa can come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So. Ah, so beautiful. So beautiful. The read. Yeah. Um, Watch so, in your tears. Yeah, I know, I know. So well, and and it it, it is worth uh, it is worth saying like every scene that has thus far been mentioned was a candidate on my that's really? so right. Yeah, yeah. Now you haven't stolen all of them. I have two others. I had like seven candidates for this because I couldn't stop writing down scenes that just really like 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 spoke to me. Um, I will I will mention in passing. There's an exchange where she goes with her father to try to plead mm-hmm. Franz's case and they fail at at getting anywhere with that but as they're walking out um her father says to her and god the weight it must have took him to say taken him to say this um he says back to her better to suffer injustice than to do it 
mm-hmm. um, which is just a profound bit of, of wisdom. Um, and, uh, and so there's that, but there was a moment, uh, Bruno, Bruno Gans is in this film. This was actually his final film. He plays one of the uh, judiciaries at the end at, at Franz's trial. And he is the one specifically who eventually takes Franz into a back room and has a private conversation with him into, into like a chamber. Um, and this was his final film. Bruno Gans actually played, I don't know if it's Gans or Gans, so I apologize for that, but I, but he, uh, actually played Hitler in a pretty affecting film called Downfall. Um, and this was his, this was Bruno's final film. Uh, he died in 2019. Um, but the moment that I will cite is he has this exchange with him that really struck me. And it's a bit less in the emotional and more in the philosophical. Um, where he says, do you, do you judge me? The, the, the man is looking at Franz. Franz cannot swear an oath of loyalty to Hitler. And so this judiciary official says, like, do you judge me? And Franz says, I, I do not judge you. I, I don't say if he is hideous, evil, if I am right. He said, but there's, there's this thing inside me. I, I cannot do it, you know? And, and then, Afterwards, you know, the man, the, the man says, the, the, the judicious official says, um, do you have a right to do this? And Fran says, do I have a right not to? And that really struck me. But the moment that I thought was so right about all of that, that entire exchange is that then when Franz is led away, when he's left from the moment, the man sits, the, the official sits in the chair where Franz was sitting and he just sits there for a moment with his hands on his legs mm-hmm. and he sits there and Bruno Gann was just, it was an incredible actor could do so much with silence. Um, but he just sits there and I got so much from the scene of just him. He he's, he's pondering, he's wondering, could I, could I sit in this chair? Could I have such courage? Could I, could I have such faith? Could I do such a thing as to sit here? Because there's so much that bombards this man that says, I think what really shook is an overused word these days, but what, what disturbed in my spirit and had me questioning my own convictions are the ways that people talk to him, not only about like, Hey, a moment's compromised for the greater good, but also like confronted him and said, like, you're, they told him you're committing a sin because you're putting your family at risk. You're committing a sin because you're over this principled thing. You're making this decision that's going to destroy your family's lives. And that's a sin. You know, and so they're just like assaulting him with all of this. And it is such a small, small little thing that he has made this choice to not, uh, you know, to, to not swear an oath of loyalty to Hitler. Um, so there's one more thing that that is my that's so right moment. So there's one more thing that I was going to possibly bring up that maybe would lead us into theme. But I also want to be somewhat deferential to, to Andrew and his thoughts on there. So why don't we formally close out? That's oh, yes, so right, and then and then we'll <laughs> then we'll go over to that moment. Yes, so and, Andrew, if you would do the honors for us. That's just so right. <laughs> That's awesome. So so awesome. Uh-huh. So awesome. Um, so I do I, I do mean it. I want to be deferential to what to Andrew what you have but but I, I want to kind of as a way out of that so right possibly yeah. into theme mm-hmm. I want to just cite the final card of the film the closing yes. title card of the film and then you know I, I, following that I will just sort of pivot over to you 
to either share your thoughts on it or share other thoughts that you had about the themes okay. and the explorations of this film. Um, the film ends with the title card that is actually a line from Middlemarch, uh, the, the, the classic novel by George Eliot, um, where she writes, the growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts and that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. Hidden life is also taken from the scripture, which says, you know, you, you are, um, you have now died and your life is hidden in Christ. So that it's that whole concept of, you know, the hiddenness of it, the things that we do in secret, the things that we will not get applauded and lauded for. And, and that uh, saturates so much of the narrative of this film and is very convicting to me and is very uh, challenging to me. Yeah, go ahead. Nate. You, real quick, you threw out the word applauded and it is worth noting that given the weight we've even just encountered in an, a 30 minute conversation about the film so far, uh, my reading today, the cast and crew uh, upon completion of shooting applauded for 15 minutes. Wow. There and wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I believe it. I believe it. Um, Andrew, what, what yeah. would you offer? Um, for theme? And, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, about as far as the title card goes about the, the, the world is not so, uh, not right <laughs> that, <laughs> right uh yeah. is is dependent on people doing acts that no one knows about kind of thing yeah uh, the world right. is not so ill man that i find so much hope and light and and just uh encouragement in that mm -hmm. uh thinking about I mean, you know, think about where Jesus is like talking about, uh, look at the, look at the lilies of the field, look at the bird. Like, it's yeah. like this, this idea that we're all known, mm -hmm. even if we're like, don't feel, I mean, so we live in this weird time of connectedness and globalization and all these things where, uh, it was, I thought of that when, uh, Fra there's several scenes where Franz is in, in prison and he's sitting in these rooms with these, officials who are saying like no one's gonna know what you're doing here no mm -hmm. one's gonna you're not making any difference and i just think what it, what an interesting juxtaposition to our world now where everybody wants to be known and everything but it's like you're already known mm -hmm. uh and i think we working on this project and working about the interior castle is just that like the love and, and the god and the and the the home and the hope that we look for is, is within us and it's in, it's in, it's there. And, and mm. part of the, part of like the sickness of our time, I feel like is this, is this, uh, always looking outward. There's no inward intro introspection. There's no mm. feeling of being known. There's no actually, you know, there's the public like, Oh, I, I shared this. It got 10 likes, whatever. But I feel like so much in this film that I, that I, that I hear resonating in my spirit is just like, I, I'm known, even if, even if I share something that doesn't get any likes, or even if mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. even if my music makes it nowhere, mm -hmm. I'm known, I'm loved, and, you know, there, there's a, there's a quote, uh, of a saint that said something to the effect of, um, you can't save the world, but you can love your neighbor. 
And <clears throat> it's like, we live in also this, this time where everything's kind of blown up in terms of like our, the ego is like, well, I can, I'm going to go, you know, the, the missionary complex kind of thing. I'm going to go over to do this and over here to build this thing in a village for a week where I'll feel good about myself and get some pictures. Like, mm. what are you doing for your neighbor? And I think that that's it, the unhistoric act of, of our, our neighbors had a box on their, and this is, this is very simplistic and silly, but like they had a box on their portion. It was snowing and raining the other day. And mm. they weren't home all day, so my wife moved it to their porch. Like simple, but it's like, yeah. And and did, did, was there some big parade? Was it? No, but no, but that was a love for a neighbor. Um, things like that. Like, so I, I just resonate so much with that idea of you know, I we don't have to live historic. Like our lives can be unhistoric and quite unmagnificent in many ways, but we're still known and we're still loved, and we can still you know, add to the, to the, to the tilting of the world towards things, not being so ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel so compelled in the moment. It's not, it's not part of the film, but what you were resonating with, um, I have not thought about this song in a very long time, but there's a power to the lyrics of the old song, his eye is on the sparrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that concept and, and just briefly reading a couple of those lyrics, I pulled them up really quick. It says, why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. Um, And then the refrain that keeps going over and over again is, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. Now, that's the lyrics that most people probably know. If they're unfamiliar with the rest of the song, there's a, there's another lyric mm-hmm. that I love so much. It just says, let not your heart be troubled. His tender word I hear and resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by the path he leadeth, but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. And I love so much the way that you expressed that, that we are known and we are loved. We have such maybe addicted is is the word, but but we need relevance and we need, you know, like, well, this mattered to somebody or it mattered to something. And and I feel like what we can often get lost in is how we matter. I, I've said this before on the show that the Lord doesn't love your potential. One of the things that I despise, and I use the word deliberately, despise so much about some of the language around mainstream and popular Christianity is, is people talk about like, oh, you, you know, you need to do something for God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and, and I am so passionate about that. No, no, no. You just need to be who God made you to be. And maybe that does involve big platform. Maybe that does involve great success. Maybe that does involve influence here and influence there. But if all it is, but it probably won't. <laughs> precisely yes. and if all it is is just you living a hidden life faithfully like that is like you are known you are loved you are seen you are understood you're accepted you belong you're here and and that is something that i think we lose such sight of you know like the the worst thing in the world for us is like to be a failure you know and i think one of the, the ways that we have 
I blame us for this. I blame, you know, like just the way we think about things is, you know, we, we, we pervert that moment where the Lord says to the people that come before him, well done, my good and faithful servant. And we pervert that because we, we focus on the well done part. And people lose sight of the fact that in that passage, there's so much that talks about knowing, like I knew you or I never knew you. And it's, it's understanding in that moment that the relationship that you talked about, the, 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 the way uh, when you set it up like 40, 50 minutes ago now at this point about how idolatry kills relationship. And I feel like that's so important for us to recognize that it's like, no, 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 you're, you're in a, you're in a relationship right now. And to, when he said, after being asked the question, do you have a right to do this? Do I have a right not to? He's speaking from a place of, I'm not going to violate the relationship within me. Like I'm not going to violate the relationship that I'm a part of. And I feel like so many times we think in terms of transactions and we think in terms of, I will do this and this thing will happen instead of living in the vibrancy of the relationship to which we've been called, to which we've been invited, to which we've been created. Um, so those are, mm-hmm. blah, those are all of my thoughts on the thing. And I think one thing that came to mind, we were talking about that too, was the difference between being seen and being known. Like mm. Uh, mm. how many of us are seen, but not known uh, yeah. by the, by those people who see us. And yeah. Yeah, I just, so that, that's, so thematically, that just, that's one thing is just, is just the, the idea of this hidden life. It's kind of turns it on its head because you don't, I think I remember seeing it for the first time and not really at the end when they, when they played the title card was talking about living a hidden life. Like you're not seen, but you're known deeply. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that kind of flipped it for me. But so that, that's one aspect. Another, uh, the, thematically, I think is so interesting how, uh, the church, uh, and, and this guy, I'm guessing it's the Catholic church in this particular context. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. uh, but you, you could say the church in Germany at the time, I would imagine mm. for the most part, uh, thinking of, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, people like that who were part of that whole, you know, that he wasn't Catholic. Right, think, right, but, right, right. But thinking about their utter lack of understanding or willingness to entertain this idea that Franz is saying, I'm not going to do this because it's wrong. And Mm. them say, you know, one of the, I wrote down, um, you have a duty to the fatherland. The church tells you so. Uh, and then he, then he, then he says, do you not remember what the apostle says? Let every man be subject to power placed Mm. over him. So they're using these like scripture verses as well as like, I never heard that one before. to fuel their yeah exactly yeah. they're using this to fuel their stuff and and I um oh and then there was one other part that really struck me was uh when they, when he's when there's church bells ringing he says they're melting the church bells into bullets and I thought mm. of the plowshares it's the opposite mm-hmm. of the plowshares yep. Yep. And weapons thing and I and I thought like that that was really compelling to me uh that mm-hmm. imagery um th- this this film is like a celebration of of having the courage to do what's right and standing yeah. up for what's right. Yeah. And I just think we live in this time where, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, I, I heard a statistic on the whole, like that violence on a, on a whole global scale, we are less violent than we were in the past. Right. right. But I wonder, uh, content. So, and so maybe we haven't really changed. Maybe we just are, 
I don't know, maybe we're just, but I think this idea of contention among communities, this, this, you know, the community in this and the disconnection you were talking about, Nathan, on a communal community level, like it disconnects their community. This, this, this friction that happens when France is like, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to do that. Swear allegiance. And I'm just struck with our communities today. I live in West Michigan and like, uh, you know, you can pick your issue, like COVID or whatever, that it shouldn't be an issue because COVID is a thing and you should mm-hmm. get infection or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like people, somebody posted a thing from uh, a hospital here, like a, a stat that they, that they released uh, in a statement about like, Hey, there's, uh, uh, this many people percentages of unvaccinated versus are here in the hospital. It's full. It's really bad. Uh, and somebody commented on it. Well, if you can post the source, that's trustworthy. And I'm like, it's the hot, they're the hot, they're the hospital. They're, they just, <laughs> they just did. That's, that's from them. And, but I just, I'm struck with this idea. We just, we also seem to have this addiction with like, and it's the idea of it's that it's that nationalism thing of of okay you 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 have a duty to to the to the fatherland to fight. It's like there's this idea I feel like in our culture right now where it's like you have a duty to if you if you want to call yourself a Christian or anything like that like you have a duty to to fight. And I and I wonder what are I don't know what what are you hoping to win in these fights like mm. and 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 mm. and and. and what, it seems like a very insecure God that you're fighting for. If, if, if him or whatever you see as God, uh, succeeding in whatever you think you'll succeed. Right. If, if it's contingent on you, that's really sad. And like, that's kind of pathetic. And, 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 mm. um, but so that's another thing I was just thinking about with this is just how I don't post a lot on social media. Um, I post, I post a little bit, but not like, and I used to, I used to post very like heated things like, Oh, I'm talking about this. And you know, I'm just tired. Um, <laughs> and I think part of that is just this, I, the idea of there's all this contention, uh, that seems to be, we, I think, I think we just had, maybe it's always been this like heated between groups and stuff, but maybe we just have more. Uh, avenues to vent it and so you hear about it more mm, that mm. might be it but but yeah I, I think that's thematically i was thinking in this in this film about just um the idea of community breaking apart when and, and this is kind of a dust statement but like you know this person says this is right this is this person says this is right your community gets disconnected and right, right. um yeah I, I but but the way but the meaning they give in this film to doing what is right uh there there's scenes where the wife says like well surely god god will do god will protect us he always has uh if we just if we serve him he'll he'll, if we love him he'll love us kind of thing like that and and i think it's people reckoning with uh what does faithfulness to god look like you have the church with their answer in this film you have the officials of the of of the nazi officials who say well this is what faithfulness to what's right is and you have you have france and obviously it's like you know you can extrapolate from this particular situation which one is correct which is france but but then looking at the world today like we're just we're here we're here and yeah, here right. we are in this state of of things and i just 
I don't know. I that I don't know. I don't have a deeper point with that, but that's just some stuff mm. I was thinking about with uh thematically is just I I think of Ted Lasso. Like, why is Ted Lasso getting such a claim? Uh I think it's a breath of fresh air because it's people being good to each other. I think mm-hmm. it's people mm-hmm. one thing they do on the show is apologize. You don't see that on shows. Like people they do something wrong, they say, Hey, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, forg- and like I think we crave that as I don't think we're craving that right now. And that's why the show is doing great. But, and so, uh, that's my time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's, uh, so, so Nathan has not had much opportunity to respond yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him that. I'm going to make one statement that I'm not even going to extrapolate on. It's just the, um, that, you know, you talk about, you know, you owe a loyalty debt to the fatherland debt to whatever, but in that, situation they're not asking them to pledge an oath to the fatherland they're asking them to swear an oath to hitler so yes. you know the the land has become a person you know and like i said i'm not even going to extrapolate i'm just sort of enhancing your point with that because yeah. nathan your your thoughts sir yeah i i think a lot about the 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 likely fact that the most faithful version of a life is a small one hmm. and that it is in the smallness and by smallness, I simply mean you do the thing in front of you and then you do the next thing in front of you. And then, you know, depending on one's life scenario, those, those things are going to be different, but that the continual act of doing good in those things is what creates this effect that middle March quote is referring to. And, and I mean, I, I think this movie was really challenging to me because have y'all ever seen Sophie Scholl? Uh, no, I am. I have. I have heard of it. Maybe maybe early two thousands. Um, very similar story uh, about an actual person and her unwilling. But she was a student, kind of a college student. Uh, same kind of scenario. Um, she ends up dying at the end, and at the time, I was very moved and challenged by it. But this one, this one was different for me there's something about the length of the film and what that permits him to do with the time as you build these this family's mm-hmm. dynamic that we all want we all want to say i will stand firm right, right. but there were moments where i was like i, I don't know i don't know you i'm, I'm I, I you know as a person with a family uh, like there are moments in the film where I'm like, man, I I will not judge you for back for for staying with your family. You know, like like mm-hmm. this was a very real feeling I had watching Friends's path unfold before him. And 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 part of what this film is good at, very good at, is setting in reality. And by in reality, I don't mean, oh, it it took place in the real. I I mean, the curves, nuances, and shades that unfold through the length of the story are like, no, I really understand all that is transpiring to get us where we're going. Mm -hmm. Versus why I brought something like Sophie Scholl and, and a lot of you know, movies centering on Holocaust stories, you're like it, the narrative, the, the event is so elevated that it's almost removed, right? It's yeah, almost right. still, it's almost still mythological to us mm-hmm. as viewers. Whereas this, it was like, okay, I kind of get what is happening here. 
and and the 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 steps in the path are clearer and the further you get down the path the more you kind of want to keep you want to turn around and walk backwards um you know the the is he the mayor is that what they call it yeah yeah the um mayor. but the the dynamic that starts to materialize from the townspeople to Franz. Yeah, Andrew, you you opened this whole time with a a pointedness towards the modern era. And Reed and I were musing t- today about, you know, that they began shooting in 16. They he edited it for three years. Um yeah. you know, and releases it. And the timeliness of it is fascinating to me. I'm trying to wrangle some of this down. Um but I think the, the major takeaway that is nearly impossible. But I think, you know, I, I it wasn't a joke earlier, Reed, when when I you were you were rattling off, you might be called to this platform, to that platform, to elevation, to status. I don't think we're ever called to that. Ever. Mm. I think it mm. I think we could stumble into it and it happened. And hopefully by God's great grace, we have the sense and wisdom and responsibility to handle that. Well, yeah, we're never, right. we're never called to that. And, and any, I'll say it, this is my read bold moment. Anyone <laughs> who in, in a faith language says I'm called to this massive platform thing is just someone who has bought the lie, which is mm. what, which is no, you just stumbled into the idiocy that is the cultural moment we're in that permits you to find yourself here. The true calling is the small, the still, the tilling the land, the tending to the family, the standing firm against an oppressive might. I mean, my God, it's the wife who says, you can't change the world. The world is stronger. And mm. she is right. She's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that still the calling is to stand against it. It is stronger. You might die, <laughs> but the stand is what you're called to, not the elevation, the platform, the fill in the blank that we so idolize and make. Man, I think so much about this. And Reed, I remember you and I having conversations a year ago or whenever it was when some, some stuff was going down in your local faith community. And, and cause I mm. ponder sometimes these faith leaders that I see in, in with the big platforms. And here's the sad part is they have as many people yelling. They are right. As uh, so, so yeah, you know, I can sit here all day and say, well, you're delusional. Uh, that's not the calling. But there is a th- there is a mechanism, there is a power of the air in place that is applauding them. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to be utterly judgmental. It's it's the conversation at the end. Do you judge me? Like, well, no, because I understand the forces that are crushing you. <laughs> yeah, right, right, and, absolutely. And, and and what I judge is those forces. Now I pity you, perhaps, mm-hmm. for for mm-hmm. succumbing to those forces. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I. I I think often because of the things I've seen and people I've known and experiences I've had that elevate uh, and put on platforms troubled souls <laughs> that then right. continue to grow said platform. And, and it, it, I'm getting lost in the weeds, except to say the calling isn't to those things. 
Right. Right. You know, the calling is to the still, the small, the steadfast. It's to a hidden life. Yes, it is. It is. Because in doing that hidden life, the, it, it is what the middle March quote is, which is, it is these tiny loyalties to the hidden life that are going to make relationship between the three of us possible and good and less <laughs> ill, right? It's, yeah. it's people and forces that work to the good that we don't see, um, that are creating positive possibility for, for us now. Right. Anyway. Right. No, well, and, and I know we are near our time, so I, I'll, I'll make this so brief, but good Lord, this is a film that invites so much rich contemplation and rich, hard conversation. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me is, you know, how much we, we think that what we are called to is to make a difference. Like, mm-hmm. to like, like that's the kind of contextualizing, like in, in your repetition of the language that they use, do you think you can stop this war? Do you think anything that you're going to do is going to do any good as if that's the only reason you do something right? is to, is to affect some great change or is to, mm-hmm. is to create as if that's the only reason to do anything is okay. Well, if it's not going to blow up, then I'm not going to do it. Andrew, you talked so much about like the struggles with, well, you know, do I post this or, you know, the, the, the footprint, like what, what is the yeah. ripple effect of it? And it's like, well, no, making the difference is probably not the point. Like that's not, that's not probably the, the, the issue that the Lord would have us be about. That's not the father's business, you know, that it's like, <laughs> like if the Lord wanted to make a difference, he could s- snap his fingers. He could, you know, have a thought. He could, he could speak all of these different things into, into the world. But what I think is so, like, Nathan, you sort of loosely referenced it. I'm going to reference it with a bit more specificity. Um, towards the end, it's been almost a year um, through some decisions that it would be unfair of me to get into specifics of because people aren't here to defend themselves. There was a, there was a tension that was happening with some decisions in our faith community, that, uh, the, the, the faith community that my wife and I attended. There was some tensions between the direction that they were going as a community and as a, as a, a church, as, a, as a, a body of believers. There was a direction they were heading that, just to put it as fairly as I can, my wife and I could not follow them there. We could not align with some of those decisions they were making. I'm not taking a cheap shot with a platform to, to accuse them of things. It was a disagreement about what direction we should head. But something that was said in that time, it was not said about us. It was not even said necessarily in relation to the situations that caused us to walk away from that faith community at that point. But um, it was said, uh, I heard it said, it said, you know, some people uh, uh, want the church to be a cruise ship and they, you know, they exit it when it becomes a battleship. And sure, it's a pithy bumper sticker kind of language. But I do think there's a lot about this film, and you know they have a lot of war language. Support the war effort. Swear your, or, mm-hmm. you know, your oath, your loyalty. And so, like, there's a lot I think, and I have sympathy, and I, I love what you what you said, Nathan, where you said like, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't judge you. I, I pity you. I judge the things that pushed you to this. I judge the things that you know maybe call them powers and principalities that edged you into this position. Um, and, and pity you because what I would say and what rose up in me about, you know, pivoting back to that invocation of cruise ship versus battleship is there are people who think, and, and there was a lot of this in like pandemic times and, and particularly surrounding churches. Well, we're going to, 
we're going to take up arms and we're going to fight. That's what we're going to do. That's our language. We're going to be, you know, God's John Wayne gospel, and we're going to take up arms and we're going to fight. And that was the concept of like, you know, this is how we're going to the, the, the battle. But I don't know that I'm convinced that the battle is, you know, us and them or even us versus oppressive spiritual forces. I think maybe the battle is, do you succumb and get sucked in or do you stand firm and do you know who God is? And do you know who he has called you to be? And do you stand firm in that? And do you not let the world, the, the spirit of the age, whatever language you want to wrap around it, do you not let that infect you? And maybe that's the battleground. We constantly are allured to making a difference and like taking a fight and like winning that other battle over there. When maybe as you put it, Andrew, uh, the call is, and in this film, to a hidden life mm-hmm. is actually to like, no, 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 we're, we're going to reject the bombast. And it is the quiet, like, I will not let the world change me. Uh, uh, you know, when Franz talks so simplistically about there is a thing inside of me that will not let me do it. And it's just like that. <laughs> it's such a quiet thing. It's such a simple and still mm-hmm. thing but there is a thing inside of me that will not let me do it. And um, that's profound to me. It's really powerful. My closing thought, if I may. Sure. Please, um, please. Uh, what I have thought of with all this is, uh, I think it's Abram Joshua Heschel is the Jewish rabbi, I believe. Right? Mm, you know I've is? heard the name. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he said, when I was young, I valued people who were clever. As I get older, I value people who are kind. And I mm. think... I don't know. I love that. I think clever are the people who do what they can to get and take things. Uh, kindness is the hidden life heart posture, I would say. It's like, uh, it, it's the way you love your neighbor and, and, and you change the world, not on a global scale, but you change it on that mm-hmm. communal community level and i think mm-hmm. so many of the people who and again i, I said this already but like so many people that are setting out to change the world aren't really bothering to think about what can i do on a community like people don't know their neighbor they, they don't even in the neighborhood right. they, live, right. they live on a street of strangers you know and so uh i think the the idea i had an english professor who talked about the most dangerous thing in the world's anonymity in that uh, he didn't mean anonymity. And this was before, this was a little bit before social media. He was talking about uh, this lady named Kitty Genovese who was murdered and she called out for neighbors, but no one, mm. pe- no, she didn't know who to, you, she didn't say a name. She didn't say, hey, mm. and that's why, that's why when someone's having a heart attack or something, they say, hey, you, you point to someone to, hey, you call that one. You don't just say someone call that one. And I think it's this idea that like knowing others and, and being known and being in this, in, in communities where you're known, um, and, and living the hidden life, I just think that's that's where it's at. <laughs> and I don't know, that's that's how I would uh, – those are my closing. I don't have anything else to say, but those are my no. – <laughs> That's all I've got to say about have that. You, have you ever seen The Last Man on Earth, any of you? Uh, the Forte? old uh, Vincent Price film? Or, or no, no, no Will Forte, the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that show. They talk about he, – he's trying to pretend he's, he's seen Shawshank Redemption and uh, – 
he's starting to impress a girl and she's like my favorite film is the Shawshank Redemption and he go and they're all kind of dropping lines from it and he goes mm-hmm. it truly was a Shawshank Redemption but I would say it truly oh, was funny. a hidden life <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. well man um yeah, I, I want to thank you for the privilege of pointing us towards this film. Um, and and uh, you ready to go to the fog meter, if you will? Yes. Ready to do it? Okay. Oh, fun and God. Uh, the patent pending, uh, very specific metric that we have. Um, so on a scale of z- uh, zero to ten, um, what, Andrew, this is, this is your selection. Oh, so what would you cite... Uh, on the fun meter for, for, well, I'm queuing it up right after this. I'll just put it down. Right <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, kicking back. No, uh, I'm going to give it a one. <laughs> <laughs> Only in, in the sense that, uh, it's not, not fun, but I think there's, there's some playfulness in it that I, that it's, I think it transcends fun. There's my answer. Mm, mm. <laughs> Ah, ah. I'm going to well, refuse to answer your, your <laughs> Do not bother me with your questions there. But I will say, so like for myself, I expressed this earlier, and I'll, I'll say it again in reiteration, that like the film has the kind of effect, like a, like a washing over you, like a nice, soothing and refreshing kind of bath. So in that sense, it's a very particular kind of, of like, you know, that like ends the, in martyrdom. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, but I, but I will say, like to that end, you know, I, I'm actually going to give it a six for myself because mm. I feel like that was such a rewarding experience. It took a lot to get there, but that was such a rewarding experience. So six for me on on Yield Fun Meter. If it's um, not rewarding. I give it a six too. All right, I'm going to take that number. I'm going to. Okay, I good. see that number, and I'm going to take that Mulligan. Yeah. Um, Nathan, what about for you? Yeah, I as uh, well, what's really funny is I didn't I'm sure when it came out, I was aware it was out, but I hadn't really paid attention to it. And so knowing we were coming into it, I didn't know the content of it and reading our text in the day of. And I was like, is that the Affleck one? Because I know Affleck was in a nonetheless. <laughs> OK, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, it's, do you want me to tell you? I was like, no, that's OK. And then I go look up the runtime like, oh, Lord. And I queue it up literally at nine o'clock, 9 p.m. East Coast time. And uh, and I just couldn't look away. And, mm. you know, I don't know that I'd call it a warm bath, though. I do understand the sentiment you're you're conjuring there, Reed. And just, you know, you it is a thing you swim in or or, <laughs> you know, uh, it, uh, yeah. So as far as the fun factor goes, uh, definitely not any sort of traditional uh, aspect, is it? that yoda huh <laughs> <laughs> um yes life in. um let's see if for only how much i have loved the experience of it i will join y'all at your six and All stop right. prattling on <laughs> what would you give it for the god meter uh 10 yeah, I think this is going to be super easy. It's an unqualified 10. Like like I said, saturated with with grace and truth in nearly every scene. So so 10 for me. Andrew, bring uh, us home. That's going to be a 10 for me. That's awesome. <laughs> He's like, uh, I'll go with the one. <laughs> once more. It transcends. No, 
Absolutely. That's assuming God exists. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 All right, go cue the movie up. Andrew. Okay, okay. okay. So, okay. <laughs> so that means that we give A Hidden Life written and directed by Terrence Malick an 8 out of 10 on the Fog Meter, which is not a shabby showing at all. That's a, a solid. Shabby showing. Um, so, but uh, Nathan, do you recommend Nathan. A Hidden Life? I do, even at 9 p.m. East Coast time. Just know <laughs> it is, it is, it is not work. It is patience. Patient, mm. not in the, the it, negative it way. Is, but. It is a thing you experience. You mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and likewise, I would put a qualifier on it that like, listen, you have to be in the right. I think you have to be in the right mindset to go into the film. But if you are deeply rewarding experience. Um, and uh, so to that, I would recommend it. Andrew, would you? Yes. great oh man well listen a hidden life andrew this was such a delight to finally get the voice of that's so right and that's so and that ain't right on the show thank you so much for being part of the fog family thank you so much for the privilege of watching this film and discussing it we really really appreciate it man um and uh thank you listeners for sticking with us nathan thank you as always for these conversations and as we say on every episode uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Next week, we are going to be not only covering episodes 11 and 12 of Ted Lasso Season 2, but sharing with you our thoughts. Uh, and, and the episode will be about Season 2 of Ted Lasso as a whole. So that is your homework for next week. Uh, visit us for Ted Lasso all of Season 2, but especially episodes 11 and 12 next week. And uh, thank you again, Andrew. Thank you again, Nathan. Thank you again, listener. Sure we'll see you next week. Yep. Thank you, Andrew. See you guys. Yeah. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.